0: live from southern california this is the jim rome show i've always said there's no such thing as a statement win in the nba during november if the season ends in june and the real games that matter are in the spring then really there's no way that anything that happens on any night or any game before thanksgiving really matters right it just doesn't matter well last night did the Golden State Warriors made a statement pre-Thanksgiving. Statement being, Golden State 117, Brooklyn 99. In Brooklyn. And if you want an even bigger statement than that, check this. Without Joel Embiid, yeah. it's been difficult. And Utah's defense over the last four or five games has tanked. And so they're struggling a little bit. Both teams The hell is that? that second- the hell is that? How weird is that? In case you could not make that out, what that was, was MVP. MVP chance for Steph Curry in Brooklyn. Yo, KD, how's that taste, my man? Your former teammate just came all the way across the country, not only beat you in your house, but was hearing MVP chance that are supposed to go to you in your house. The guy who went to Golden State because he wanted a ring— and then left Golden State because he wanted his own team, just got owned in his own building by his old team. Man, that's got to sting. A lot, in fact. And yes, I know it's only a regular season game, but it's the only time that Golden State is coming to Brooklyn in the regular season. You can't tell me that KD was not looking forward to getting over on Steph, Draymond, and the rest of that crew. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was bitter about mo buckets being called mo buckets. Of course he was looking to jack his former team up. You know he was. Just as you know that that's not what happened. Instead, he gets blown out in his own house and on top of that had to listen to MVP chance going not to him but to his former teammate. And by the way, Steph deserved it because he was lighting it up like he has pretty much every other night this season. Curry. With Harden on him, shakes him, another beautiful pass.
1: Greenwood for the extra pass into the hands of Curry.
0: Rattles one home for three. Whole thing is just so weird. I mean, the whole thing is just so bizarre. The hell is going on there? And where the hell did that happen? Like, I could have sworn Golden State was scheduled to be on the East Coast last night and not at home. But there's really no way. You can even tell because the fans in an opposing barn are literally hyping this guy, not only hitting him with MVP chants, but urging him to step back even further. And then Steph gave the fans, the opposing fans, exactly what they wanted in his house. are a minute and a half into this fourth quarter. Curry lets it fly, and right to the bottom it goes. Drip, drip. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't even from the logo. That was like logo adjacent. And the next one may have been even deeper than that. Curry working on Aldridge, takes another three. Why not? Here's Stephen Curry. The laws of humankind do not apply.
2: 104 to 80, and the crowd roaring over another Curry three.
0: The Nets crowd, the Brooklyn crowd, roaring over another step three. I mean, last night was supposed to be a finals preview. It was supposed to be four of the best players in the world going up against each other. It was supposed to be two MVPs giving each other the hands. But none of that happened. Because Golden State rolled into Brooklyn and knocked the Nets the hell out. I mean, just ice these guys completely in the third quarter. Speaking of ice, the Nets could use some. Oh, and some ibuprofen, too. I mean, if it wasn't enough that Steph went off, and he did... For 37. He had nine threes. He sat out a chunk of time with foul trouble. It wasn't just that. You also had Golden State's defense. It was about Draymond Green locking up KD and making him about as much of a non-factor as anybody's ever going to see him, and then sticking a three right in his eye. Remember, he's right with him. Cool can't shake him. Shot clock at six. Green hits one on KD and lets him know about it. Man, what a bad night for KD. Can't make a shot. Draymond's all over him, knocking in threes in his face. Like Draymond in Golden State held Durant in 19 last night, his lowest scoring game of the year. He went 0 for 8 when it mattered most in the third quarter. So the Warriors locked up the Nets to the tune of a single field goal during a six-minute stretch in the third quarter. And again, we're talking about Draymond. What are we talking about here? Draymond. I don't care if you love this guy. I don't care if you hate this guy. You have to put some respect on the man. You just have to. But don't take my word for it. Listen to his coach.
3: You can't do a better job defensively than what Draymond did uh, tonight. Um, you know, Kevin is, I've said it before, he's the most talented basketball player ever. I mean, in terms of that size and, and skill and ability to, to get any shot he wants. Um, he showed it in the first quarter. He got anywhere he wanted and then I just thought um, we stayed with it, and that was the main thing. In that third-quarter performance, Draymond was, was with him everywhere he went, and uh, you can't, can't possibly do a better job uh, than, than what Draymond did.
0: Well said, Coach. And as long as we're doling out some respect, don't forget Steve Kerr. I mean, The guy can flat out, Coach. He just can. Contrary to what so many of you think, the guy doesn't just show up and roll the ball out. His team is playing uh, both ends of the floor at a really high level playing both ends of the floor at a really high level. In fact, the Dubs are, in fact, a damn good defensive team. Yes, I said it. Golden State is a damn good defensive team. And they're deep. And the player development they've done over the past two years, when everybody was rushing them into that shallow grave, has been really impressive. And now it's paying dividends. Now it's all paying off. Andrew Wiggins was giving James Harden problems. You know, the guy that everybody's cracked over the years for fading in and out of games. The guy who takes so much heat for disappearing all the time. Locked in last night at both ends. They won by 18 on the road and didn't even play that well. They got into foul trouble. They turned it over 22 times, and they still smacked Brooklyn. And remember that rap that Golden State had the best record, but only because they played a soft schedule? Yet yeah, they heard that. They've all heard that, especially Clay Thompson. Clay told SI, quote, I love it. I hope people keep doubting us. Saw someone on TV the other day talking about the Warriors aren't contenders because they had a soft schedule. Buddy, we got the MVP, a defensive player of the year. That kind of disrespect bothers me, end of quote. Well, what's interesting about that to me is nothing bothers Clay except that. Buddy. He said, buddy, we've got the MVP. Buddy, we've got the defensive player of the year. No buddy, buddy. needs a night out bullcrap with this dude or this team. Just buddy. Buddy, we got the MVP. Buddy, buddy. we got a defensive player of the year. Damn straight, buddy. buddy. And soon you will be back, buddy. buddy. And James Weissman too, buddy. buddy. Buddy don't need no damn night out. Let me tell you something, it might still be early, but as we speak right now, the Nets are not in Golden State's class, nowhere near it. In fact, the Nets aren't even in the Wizards' class. The Nets aren't even in the Bulls' class. The team that was not only the favorite to win it all, but arguably supposed to go down as one of the best ever, just got shut the hell down in their own building. And don't tell me things would have been different if they had their point guard. No, it would not have been. Not last night. It would not have mattered if that flat earther was there or not last night. Joe Harris might have mattered more than the flat earther. But if you just got punked by 18 in your house, and all you have to say for yourself is, yeah, well, if we had Joe Harris, (laughs) if that's your take, you've got much bigger problems. Much bigger problems. And you know... You know it killed KD to have his former team run him and his current team right out their own gym. I mean, you could just see it in KD's lifeless eyes. Looking over at the Golden State Warrior bench, then looking back at his bench, and then thinking to himself, dang, my best hope is on Joe bleeping Harris? My hopes lie on Joe bleeping Harris. Hey, by the way, when did Gary Payton's kid get so good? The hell is going on over there? Wiggins is playing team ball. Serious. Wiggins is locking folks up defensively. Oh, Speaking of old friends, check out my guy, Ray Ritter, over there. Behind the scenes, just destroying the PR game. Okay, yeah, like, I'm Kevin Durant. I know who I am. I'm Kevin Durant. I know who I am. Katie's gonna be like, yo man. I wonder if Derek Coleman's around. I wonder if DC is in shape. You know he's all up in his own head now. Like, the hell was I thinking leaving these guys? The hell was I thinking believing that I was better off without them? The hell was I thinking that they needed me more than I needed them? The hell is the matter with me? It's a good question, Katie. The hell is the matter with you? As for the Warriors. Draymond came on the show last week, and he talked about Steph and how Steph's play right now is, quote, otherworldly.
1: To see what he's doing now is even more impressive than what he's doing before. Here's why I would say that.
0: Um, Number one, the defenses
1: that he faces on a nightly basis are totally different than what they were before. He's always seen blitzes and traps. But, like, at this point, teams are blitzing him at half court because he shoots the ball from so far out. I don't think there's anyone in the NBA, and I love to see a stat, that commands a double-team as much as he do. You know, you have great scorers in the NBA. They don't get double-teamed just coming into a game. Now, you get guys that get hot. Anthony Edwards, for instance, last night, uh, who is going to be an incredible player in this league, he got it going. We started trapping him, Right. Steph Curry comes into the game facing the trap on his very first pick and roll. And so I just think what he does to defenses and the way they're they're covering him, and yet he's still able to produce the way he's producing is incredible. With Steph, he's 33 years old, now he'd be 34 in four months. To still be playing at this level and, and seems to be getting better is insane. And I think for me, most importantly, he's gotten so strong and just watching the work that he puts in on his body each and every day has been impressive. And with that added strength has become a much better offensive hey, General, player, but more career. importantly has become a much better defensive player. You're not moving him off his spot. He's not a liability on the defensive side of the ball. Man's Guys man. try to go at him. He's getting stops. He's getting steals, and they're not steals playing in the passing lane. There's still steals, a guy trying to go at him. He takes the bump. The guy gets stood up. He knocks the ball away. You know, and so I think for me, As great as he is offensively and as much better as he's gotten offensively, it's what he's doing on the defensive end that no one's talking about that I think is even more impressive than what he's doing
0: on the offensive end. I had to reset that. I had to reset that. I had to reset that for two reasons. Number one, they smacked Brooklyn. Number two, Draymond's a genius. He is a basketball genius. I don't care how much you hate him. I don't care that you see him as nothing more than a nad puncher. This guy is a basketball genius. Genius basketball IQ. It's the reason why Golden State, the brass there, thinks that he's the smartest player they've ever had. Understandably so. What a great soundbite that was. That was Draymond. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? This time, do not make a shake, do not eat a bar instead grab a bag of beef jerky from old trapper i'm telling you old trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender and it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire good good stuff and it goes with you wherever you go to the game to the gym to the beach wherever look for old trapper in the clear view bag you can see the quality you're buying look for it in major retail stores near you if you don't see it clones Ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Not to Old Trapper. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Let's start with the social media. Blake in Denver, quote, Romy, my beef is with any app that has an ad pop up at the exact moment you click something. Let me check stats or open my email. I don't need to sign up for my 12th different sports book or learn more about obtaining an online degree. Come on, dude. I mean, it is what it is. Go into your—never mind. I was going to say, going to your settings. Never mind. Wooden Laconic, my beef is with Jim Guy rocking his man Just a little too tight in all the wrong places and ending mid-calf for some reason. What are we doing, Rome? I don't know, man. Some people show up in the man Dear Jimmer, my beef is people that still complain about Pluto not being a planet. I don't care what you pretend scientists learned when you weren't paying attention in school. It's been 15 years. Move on. Signed, Craig in Calgary, legitimate astrophysicist. That's different. Way to go. Hi, Jim. My beef is that the regular scheduled timing of the What's Your Beef segment coincides with when I need to go pick our five-year-old school or five-year-old up from school. So even if you're reading this, I will not be listening and I will miss my favorite segment of the week. Thanks for nothing. Austin, near Calgary. War hockey talkie. Austin, this is not a hard thing to figure out. It is for you, apparently. There are ways around it, bro. Come on. Romy, I got beef with fast food restaurants. The drive-thru lines are still longer than hell. Hire someone for God's sake. Pay them whatever the hell they want. I'll pay more for my food. I'm getting older. I don't want to spend most of my 60s in the drive-thru at McDonald's. Yours, Charlie Weiss. Rome, my beef is being in a hurry and pulling into the burger drive-thru behind a van with soccer mom and team in it. And nobody has any idea what they want. And both mom and the employee have to repeat everything seven times. And it takes half an hour. Mike and Snowbird. I feel ya. Sort of. Jim, my beef is with my friends. I told these clowns last week that Jim Rome read my beef on air. And guess what? I didn't get one response from these so-called companions. You asked all freaking year if Romy was going to show me some love. And when we finally come through, or he finally comes through, you guys are M-I-A, signed fake-ass friends. Nick in New York, my brother. That's two weeks in a row, Nick. Hopefully you get some love from your fake-ass friends. Jim, my beef is with my kids. When your mom and I go into our room and lock the door, that is not a signal for you to suddenly have a reason to need something from us. War weekend trips to get nice without interruptions. Garrett in Utah. Preach. Preach. You know what Janet did? Dodger Janet will appreciate this. When we redid our house or bought a new house, she wanted everything. Every room on the top floor. Why? So we could be closer together at all times. You obviously didn't do the math on that, did you, honey? Being closer together at all times means they're always on top of us. So I can't get on top of... I just went there. Hey, Jim, you want to know what my beef is? My beef is with sports teams nicknamed after a stupid-ass color. Signed Orange, Reds, Blues, Blue Jackets, Orange. So very original. Signed B in Calgary. Rome. Oh, this is good. I like this guy. My beef is with Whistle at Work Guy. We are all here doing the grind, working for the weekend. Nobody needs to hear your piehole whistling out silver bells, especially before Thanksgiving, you kook. Dan in Sea town I don't... I want to be very careful how I say this, especially at this time in the world. I don't like whistlers. It's got nothing to do with the fact that I can't whistle. I just don't like whistlers. I don't think anybody does. They're like mimes. Hey, Rome. My beef is with the dude that slows down to five miles per hour to get his lemon over the train tracks. Pick up the pace and quit acting like you're driving a foreign chariot, you hack. Nick in Erie P.A., at Ominous Moment, quote, I got beef with girls on social media that use skin smoothing filters. You look like aliens. Hashtag, what's your beef? Jaime, people turning on their Christmas lights already is ridiculous. Unworn people turning on their Halloween displays in mid-September. Stephen S.A., Dr. is not going to like that. At Go39, my beef is with my mother. You don't get in my car and try to fire up you your cools. No smoking. Not in my car. She's an addict, bro. She's addicted to the cools. Roma Slice, what's my beef? Group freaking text message threads They're the absolute worst. There's usually one text with important information for everyone, and then the rest is back and forth BS between two, two people. Now my phone is vibrating nonstop while my battery slowly depletes. Hey, asshats, take your personal convo to a separate thread that doesn't involve everyone. Good God. Gee off, that's like your best contribution ever. Is there anything worse than reply all? Jim, my beef is when you walk into a bathroom. I thought I already said no bathroom beefs. My beef is when you walk into a bathroom and the guy in the back stall feels the need to clear his throat to let you know he's there. Dude, you don't need to announce You don't need to announce yourself. I don't care that you're there. I'm sure I'll eventually know you're there anyway. BZ, Pensacola. And he signed it obligatory bathroom beef. That's like that guy that when you go in there, somebody's in here. Yeah, we know, dude. We know. You don't need to announce it. (laughs) I used to say that like 20 years ago. Somebody in the store. Yeah, we know. We know. Let's go to the phones. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Mike in van. Hey, Mike, what's your beef? Hey, Jim.
2: My beef is crosswalk, guy. Crosswalk guy drags his freaking knuckles as you're trying to turn right. And you sit there and you're waiting and waiting. He's in the field picking daisies and now you got to wait another freaking light. Step up. Get your ass across the street.
0: <laughs> I like it, Mike. Quote, get your ass across the street. He's right. They're looking at you like, yo, man, what are you looking at? We're looking at you, asshat. Get your ass across the street. Let's go to Philly. John in Philly. What's going on, John? What's your beef?
2: and you know the porta potties that they have
0: there, right? Where?
2: At the job sites.
0: Yes, oh yes.
2: So the homeowner comes out of the job site dragging 18 inches of toilet paper out of his pants. We go over the scope of the job and he gets animated and realizes this is hanging out of his pants and rolls it up in a ball in both hands. My beef is now he wants to shake hands with me for a job good
0: done well. I'm out. Well, uh, John, pretty complex, but all right. I said no bathroom beef, no porta potty beef. Anyway, one 8686 three six eight six eight six. Let's go to Southern Oregon, Brian. Good to have you, Brian. What's your beef? Oh, Jim, I didn't. I didn't bring enough beef, so I'm out of beef. I, so my beef is I didn't bring enough beef out of the
2: ten ounce bag that I had. It stuck some in the the little bag that I took for work, and I already ate it all. I need more beef.
0: Yeah, I need more beef too, dude. Because that was not enough beef. I got a lot of beef right here. You got the four-ounce four bag, and then you got the big bag. Work it out, dude. Do the math. Do the math on the beef so you don't run out of beef. Momo in the 805. Momo, what's your beef?
1: Romy Wasabi from the 805. My beef is with that weird Radio Shack Monkey guy. And with all my SoCal friends hating on the bay, Jimmy G, I'm back. Hella killer interview with Draymond. He is a genius. Don't smoke the toad. Smoke the NorCal Ganja. You remember Isla Vista? Come on, Romy. What is your favorite tequila? Don Julio 1942. Thanks for the beef.
0: My man, Momo. Rack him. I usually don't rack beefs. That stoner's good. Yeah, the 42 is my favorite. The 42 is my favorite. The 42 is my go-to. The 42 is my favorite to answer the question. Let's keep moving. There she is. Kathleen Omaha. Kathleen, what is your beef?
1: Jimmy Garoppolo
3: gets a negative six when it comes to looks. The best-looking quarterbacks are Aaron Rodgers, Mason Rudolph, and America's sweetheart, Justin Herbert.
0: Look at her, Kathleen, thirsty as she ever was. She just gave Jimmy G a negative six. I mean, Kathleen, you are entitled to your opinion. I mean, Jimmy G is a pretty dazzling guy, right? Pretty handsome man. A negative six? She's all about Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, and Mason Rudolph making the cut. We had Mace here in studio before the draft. Kathleen, you must not have been watching. Let's go to Virginia. Jeff, you made it in. Jeff, what's your beef? Hey, hey, Jim,
2: my beef is with TV stations that use a banner ad that takes up like half the TV, warning people outdoors to seek shelter like we're walking around with LEDs on our shoulders, taking hikes. Come on.
0: That's a good point, Jeff. Well done one 800 I cannot believe how fast this beef segment's going. This is fun. Let's get somebody else in here. Who y'all like, dudes? You're screening the phone calls. Who do you like? Chalk, man. That is very impish. That's weak. Let's go to Long Beach. The OBC, Riley, you're going to end the segment. Riley, what's your beef?
2: Hey, Jim. My beef is every left turn red light. I sit there for hours... Abolish them all. It should be a flashing yellow. I'm
0: out. All right, man. OBC in the house. That is your beef segment. That went fast. Hey, let's take a moment and talk about win bet. The latest and greatest sports betting app on the market. The same five-star hotel service that you know and love is now in the digital betting space. Providing an elite sports book and digital casino app. Whether you're playing money lines for NFL Week 11, totals for college football Week 12, or both, WinBet has you covered. Are you looking for other sports? WinBet has that too. It is all right there with your WinBet app. WinBet is also fully integrated with Win Rewards, which means by playing WinBet you can accrue points to earn free credit in app and comp dollars towards perks at Win Resorts. Discounted hotel stays, priority dining and entertainment, free merch. It really is the very best loyalty program in the industry. Call it a win-win. Whether playing from your phone or your computer, you absolutely have got to sign up for WinBet ASAP. Bet with the very best. Get into the game. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. You do have to be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Nico Harrison is my guest. Nico, it's so good to have you on. How are you?
3: Jim, I'm doing great. Thanks for the introduction. You made me sound pretty good.
0: My man, you are pretty good. It's great to have you on the show. I've been looking forward to it for a while. In fact, before we get into the regular season and your journey, Nico, how are you doing? Like, how was the first month of the regular season and how has that treated you thus far? You
3: know what? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm getting into a group. The first month, you know, I'm, I, and I'm still learning, but the first month, I'm just observing and learning and just trying to soak everything up, trying to represent the, the Mavs, and then just be present for the team. The team on the court, and then the team who works with with our players.
0: All right, so everything is new, right? It's new for you. You've got Jason Kidd, who's new as a head coach. The team's gotten off to a really good start. I know that you and Jason and Kidd go back a ways, but how do you explain the ability for everybody to get on the same page as quickly as you all seem to have done?
3: I think I think we just came in from day one, you know, but even before the season started, with with how we we're going to treat people and, and the culture that we wanted um, to represent, and just being present. All of our coaches are always present. They come back. They shoot with the players at night. They're, they're there early. They leave late. And, it, and it's, everybody does it.
0: Nico Harrison's joining us. You know, Nico, you mentioned culture. It's such a buzz term. It comes up over and over and over again. I think you hear it so often that people, listeners, tend to kind of tune it out. But there's no getting around it, man. It is really, really important, and no matter what you do. So how would you describe the culture that you're looking to create and develop as GM there?
3: Yeah, one of the things I say, I, you know, culture is a buzzword now, but when you see it, you feel it. And, and we can say all, you know, we talk about accountability, we talk about being present, we talk about leadership, um, having fun, doing what we do, but working hard. But you can say all those, those buzzwords, but at the end of the day, when the culture is good, you can see it on the players' faces, you can see it on the coaches' faces, you can feel it. You know, if you come and watch us, play or practice you can feel that guys are having fun guys are enjoying themselves guys are cheering for each other and and not just the players but the people that support the players which is equally as important
0: Nico Harrison is joining us, and you've been on both sides, so you understand how that works. You know, you might not want to make it about you, but I think your journey is really, really interesting. Like, from the outside, it would seem like you had a really good thing going with Nike, and then a number of NBA teams had approached you in the past. So what was the process like this time when this particular opportunity presented itself? How did you go about evaluating it, and what, it made, what made it feel like this was the time to take a shot at this?
3: Yeah, I, I think I think the biggest thing that happened was it was the right city, um, it was the right team, the right owner, um, the right the right timing for my family because it was definitely a family decision. And it, it just all came in, you know, everything, just the stars aligned.
0: We're talking to Nico Harrison. So I wonder about this too. Like when I've talked to coaches and GMs in the past who have gone on and done other things, like maybe they were broadcasting or they had other jobs – They almost inevitably, Nico, talk about missing the pressure, missing the high stakes of winning and losing, the highs and lows. After competing in college the way you did and competing in the pros the way you did, and then you had your time with Nike, do you feel like you've had that transition back and that the scoreboard is an important thing where you do win and lose almost every single day? Did you miss that and did you need that?
3: Um, If I missed it, I didn't think I did, but I feel it now. Right, I bet. <laughs> the, pressure, the pressure of wins and losses, I definitely feel it. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a great challenge, you know, to just be equally balanced and not get too high when we win and not get too low when we lose. And that's kind of who I am as a person. And I just feel like my job is to kind of steady the ship and we're never as bad as we think we are and we're never as good as we think we are.
0: We're talking to Nico Harrison. It does help when you've got a guy like Luca. You were pretty familiar with him from your time with Nike. I mean, I'll be honest, I am really fascinated by the guy. I'm really fascinated by his game and the level that he has reached at such a young age. In your opinion, what makes him such an outlier and so unique?
3: My experience is, is um, unquestionable in terms of playing in Europe, the way he was trained. like he, I always knew he was good, and make no mistake, like he's a big reason why I came here. And I knew he was good, top five, whatever you want to say, but he's special. Like when you watch him play, the way he can manipulate the game, he's he's one of those ones. Like he really, he's one of those ones that, that we're going to talk about for a long time.
0: All right. So he's going to miss tonight's game with an injury. What's your overall sense to the injury, and is there a timeline or a time frame for him to come back?
3: No, it's no timeline. I, I for us, it's it's a it's a long it's a long journey. It's when he gets comfortable, then he'll come back. He's a warrior. He wants to he wants to play, he wants to be out there with his teammates fighting, but but we don't want him to, you know, play injured when when we got such a, you know, we're playing every other day. So get healed, take the, take the time you need and then and then he'll jump back in.
0: Smart. Nico Harrison's joining us. I mentioned off the top that you had a great college career at Montana State after transferring from West Point. Is it true that when you were in college the goal was actually med school? And if so, what were your plans with that?
3: Yeah, actually, my degrees in biological and medical sciences. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I, was, I took the MCATs, uh, applied to medical school, and I was planning on going until uh, I got a contract to play overseas. And really what I wanted to do was originally I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon, but uh, I did an internship in the summertime and realized that I'm not really good with uh, drills and, and all that type of stuff. So then I just figured I'd be an internist, work on relationships and with
0: kids. Talking to Nico Harrison. All right, so you mentioned playing overseas. I'm curious, what was that experience like for you? For those who do not know, where did you play and what was that like?
3: Played in Belgium, France, Lebanon. Played two years in Japan.
0: Um, the experience was great. I mean, one,
3: because it, it kind of validates your, your basketball. You know, it's just about basketball. No one cares that you were good in school. It's just purely about basketball, and it kind of validates all the years that you put into to be, you know, being as good as you could be. And then now when you don't have school – you just focus on basketball. So it it was good. Um, But I'll tell you what, it was education. You know, you really think like, you always think of, uh, you know, the United States and what we don't do right. Uh, Then you go and, and you visit other countries and it makes you really appreciate home. Wherever home is, it makes you appreciate it.
0: Nico, I went to UC Santa Barbara. We had a kid who played there when I was there a couple of years before I got there named Eric MacArthur, And he was a real active big man. He went to Japan. He loved it. He played really well there. What was it like for you to play in Japan?
3: It was, it was amazing. One, you had to learn the language, because even if, if people on your team could speak English, the, the accent that they had was, in a, was kind of in a Japanese um, accent. So if you just spoke like an American, they wouldn't understand you. You kind of had to speak um, with a Japanese accent. And then our practices were in Japanese, so you got to learn the language. Um, it, it, was, you know, it was great. We, we went public transportation because of traffic. I was always on the train. I, I still know the trains like the back of my
0: hand. What an amazing experience that must have been. And then you started as a field rep for Nike and you worked the Southwest, Re- or Southwest region I should say. Guys with or guys you worked with were guys like Michael Finley, Tim Duncan, Jermaine O'Neal. I mean major, major guys, major, major names. What was that experience like? What was your biggest takeaway from that?
3: Honestly, it was great. You know, I was pre-med so I didn't even know that that was a job. Um, I'm from Portland but I never really saw Nike as an opportunity because I thought I was going to be a doctor. And, uh, you know, being able to stay attached to the game that, that I love and it's kind of given me all my skills, um, it, it's amazing. Like, who knew that that could actually happen? And then to continue that and build my career around that, it's been, uh, it's been it's been a blessing.
0: I want to ask you a couple of other really quick things. Nico Harrison, my guest, when you talk about that, like you didn't even know that an opportunity like that existed. A big part of your journey has been the influence of your father, Steve, Legend has it, he missed only one day of work in 30 years at the Kaiser Aluminum plant in Spokane, Washington. He passed away in 2016. How would you describe the impact he had and continues to have on you? And then maybe if you get to it, Nico, a second part, what did he make of your whole basketball career in life?
3: So, man, it's so much wrapped in one. Um, one, my dad is everything. Like, I am who I am because of him. I mean, he didn't have money but he instilled a work ethic in, in, in us, uh, him and my brother. Um, it, you know, Watching him go to work every day in an aluminum factory, like, his thing always was, hey, you guys need to go to school so you don't have to end up like me. And he didn't say that in a negative way. He was, he was proud of the way he went to work every day. Um, but he knew that that's not the way he wanted for us. He wanted better for us, and so that's why we need to go to college. So he instilled the work ethic in us. At such a young age that you had no choice but to admire the way he he went to work every day and was tired and you know couldn't go out and throw the throw the football around afterwards or couldn't throw the baseball around he wasn't a basketball guy at all um so he just he was always tired every day his clothes were dirty every day and they were dirty after you had to wash them um and so you just admire anybody that puts that work in just for their kids
0: that's amazing. I think that's all amazing, especially the part that he was not a basketball guy. Nico, finally, you also worked with Kobe Bryant. I'm really curious, what was the experience like for you to work with the Mamba?
3: The Mamba. Um, you know, it's one of the, it, We had a special relationship, and I don't I don't talk much about it, and partially because I see a lot of people um, kind of, not monetizing, but they they get on talk shows and talk about their relationship with Kobe and... It almost kinda of cheapens it, I feel. It's like the memories that I have in the years that, that we've had, the battles that we've had, the, the good times that we've had, the travels all over the world. Like it's just one of those things that's like a special place in, in my heart and people that know, know. And I just I just don't talk a whole lot about it. But but Kobe taught me a lot. Um, you know, one of our sayings was iron sharpens iron. And and he the one thing I'll say about him is that he appreciated Excellencies in every different discipline, and he sought out um, people that were experts in their discipline, and he appreciated them, and he respected them, and he learned from them and took that into what he was doing, whether it was basketball or life after, after
0: basketball. I appreciate that, Nico. Like, I'm in Orange County, so I would see Kobe a, a little bit, and we... And certainly I was not close to him like you were close to him. But the way you say that, that, like, I don't want to cheapen our relationship and I don't want to somehow take advantage of it. You know, there's another guy like that. You know Ryan Bartley from UC Irvine?
3: I know him very well. Him and Kobe. Him and Kobe have the same
0: same thing, right? Ryan, I think yep. Ryan. I've only spoken, and I also know them. I met Ryan through Kobe, and Ryan's the same way. And Ryan also will not talk about Kobe unless it's the right place, or the right time, the right platform, whatever. I think he's speaking the exact same language you are when it comes to Kobe.
3: Yeah, I think it's one of those things people that know know, and and it's just it's just something that you know it's it's something that's sacred.
0: I get that. I respect that. I understand that. He is a Dallas Mavericks GM, the GM. Nico, this is why I look forward to coming together with you. What a great, great conversation. I have great respect for you. I have a great appreciation for you, and that was really fun. Hopefully, we can do that again soon.
3: Rome, I'm down anytime.
0: All right, so from the very first moment I sat in my X chair my body immediately went, ah, this is what a real office chair is supposed to feel like. I mean like I never actually look forward to sitting in my office chair until I got my X chair. That's how amazing the X chair is. Can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? Yeah, my X chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? My X chair can. It's on the L-Max massage and temperature regulation exclusively designed and made for X chair high performance quality engineering extreme comfort these are all the reasons i love my x chair and now i can't wait to be at work sometimes even if i'm not working i just sit down and i kick it in my x chair you know to get that feeling so take my advice try x chair for yourself risk-free for 30 days once you realize how much better your chair should be you will never go back Go to xchairrome.com right now. That's the letter X, chair, R-O-M-E.com. Or call 1844 844 4 x chair and get 100 bucks off your order. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. That's xchairrome.com, xchairrome.com. Let's talk Mike, one of my favorite athletes ever, Iron Mike. Every so often you hear something about Mike Tyson – that you've never heard before. And it on one hand, it's surprising, and on the other hand, it's not. It's surprising in that he's been in the spotlight, the national spotlight for the better part of 40 years, if you can believe that. So it's a little surprising that you would hear something about Mike or from Mike that you've never heard before. But then again, Mike has always been pretty unpredictable. Anyway, today is one of those days because Mike paid a visit to Wonderland. A conference in Miami focused on psychedelics. While he was there, he told the New York Post that he's been known to dabble in psychedelics and things of that nature, such as, quote, the toad, quote, I died during my first trip. All right, so now you got my attention. My man died, like died and came back, I guess, or just died. Uh, I don't know, but he died on his first trip. On the toad. Now you've got my attention. Actually, Mike has always had my attention. Always. Ever since he was a teenager and fighting for the heavyweight championship of the world and winning it and being Iron Mike. Has always had my attention, but never more so than when he appeared on my Showtime program and admitted he wanted to kill me.
1: Hey, Mike, have you ever been on Jim Rome show? And I just lit into to him and said, I'm going to kill Jim Roman if I ever see him. And he's a piece of you, and he's a filth and filth, and that and that. And Jim, you dirty you know
0: what And, and I love you now, though, Jim. Man, oh, changed. man. Dude, I am so glad you changed. I'm glad that I waited to talk to you, Mike. I don't like me the sound too. of that at all. Well, I was going <laughs> to kick you all you-know-what when I saw you, Jim. I was in Miami looking for you, boy. Man, I'm glad you didn't find me. Hey, by the way, Mike, you don't want any of this, all right? Uh-huh. Be careful now. I'm not sure you want any of this. I know, buddy. <laughs> all right, number five. I, no, I took that seriously. <laughs> so I've always been very careful with Mike. Anyway, back to the toad. Back to the toad. Mike said, quote, in my trips, I have seen that death is beautiful. Life and death both have to be beautiful. But death has a bad rap. The toad has taught me that I'm not going to be here forever. There's an expiration date. End of quote. All right, so let's get into this really quickly. Mike Tyson hitting the toad and then nearly buying it as a result. That is good. See, according to the post, the toad that he's referring to is the Sonoran Desert Toad. And apparently you can smoke toad venom and get high as hell. Listen to Mike. The toad sounds like that toad. And again, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about because that's not where I live but that toad sounds like the kind. I mean obviously, depending on what you believe, we're all going to be in the ground one day. Depending on what you believe. Like nobody gets out of here alive. But nobody wants to talk about it. And you know why that is? Because depending on what you believe, many people believe that dying sucks. Like it would suck to be dead. Am I right? I I think it would suck to be dead. Or maybe it wouldn't be anything at all. But most people I know fear death, so we don't talk about it. Even if we all know that none of us get out of here alive, we still do not want to talk about death, except Mike. Mike hits the toad, and not only does Mike realize that he's not getting out of here alive, and that he will die one day, but that it's beautiful. That death can be beautiful. I'll tell you what, I'm not here to judge. Not only am I not here to judge... I want to know somebody who can tighten me up with some toad. I need Mike's hookup. If all of a sudden Mike can talk about death is beautiful, oh, and I did die during my first trip, but then I came back, and it's beautiful. I I think I got to open my mind up to it. Not only am I not here to judge, I've got a really open mind, and now I'm kind of curious. Like, when did Iron Mike first get into the toad? Apparently he first got into the toad four years ago. At that point, Mike says he was 100 pounds overweight. He said that he was unhappy. He was sluggish. He was not taking good care of himself. He was in a bad way, a bad way. And you don't want Mike in a bad way. So one of his friends suggested, you know what, man, you know what you need to do? You need to meet the toad. So Mike said, quote, I did it as a dare. I was doing heavy drugs like cocaine. So why not? Another amazing statement. Mike just said that matter-of-factly. Yeah, a few years back, I was doing some heavy drugs, like blow. I was just killing time with the Bolivian marching powder. Getting fat? Fat. Not feeling good about myself? So why not? Why not switch up and leap with the toad? Like, I've blasted enough rails of the booger sugar. The hell can an amphibian do to me anyway? I'm over the toot it's on the toad and you hear the champ tell it not only did the toad not mess with him or wreck him it saved him mike said quote it's another dimension before i did the toad and by the way how great a line is that doing the toad before i did the toad i was a wreck The toughest opponent I ever faced was myself. I had low self-esteem. People with big egos often have low self-esteem. We use our ego to subsidize that. The toad strips the ego. End of quote. Again, like, holy crap. Is that, that that sort of knowledge my man is dropping after smoking some frog? If that's the type of knowledge he's going to drop, the type of philosophy he's going to drop after hitting a pipe of frog? past the pipe, yo. Or the bong, or the pipe, or the tab, or however we access the toad. Man, just hammer me with a toad spike and get it into my bloodstream faster. Hey, and don't don't come at me. I'm not mocking him in any way. Like I'm really open to this. He's saying, "I was in a bad bad place in my life. I was overweight, I was sluggish, I was beating myself up. I was not happy." And then I tripped on the toad, and all of a sudden I had this clarity, this focus. Now, according to the Post, here's why I need help. Here's why I'm asking you clones for help. He says he's, quote, tripped toad 53 times, sometimes three times in the same day, end of quote. All right, to me, that sounds like a bleep ton of toad, but maybe it's not. Uh, psychedelic Nation, react to me. I want to talk to a toady. Is there a toady in Rancho Santa Toad? Pow Toad! Ocean Toad! No, I mean, seriously. Set me straight on this. Is tripping toad 53 times a lot? Is tripping toad three times in a day a heavy amount or not? Or are we talking about... Micro toad. Micro blasts of the toad. I don't know. Full disclosure, I dabbled once or twice in college. I did go to UC Santa Barbara. They do have a crazy Halloween there. I did dabble and experiment once or twice, but never since. So I really am asking legitimately, are there micro doses of the toad and is 53 actually not even as much as it sounds or is it even way more than it sounds? What I'm saying is I'm not about the toad life. But if Mike is saying that it may have essentially saved his, I could be about it. Dial me in because I've got no idea how that works. But I want to know. Maybe the toad actually saved my life already. Maybe after smoking some toad, Mike decided that killing me was no longer worth it. Here's also one of the money lines from the whole thing. Quote, it's helped me be more creative. It helps me focus. I am more present as a businessman and an entrepreneur. End of quote. The toad did all that for him. And I'm going to tell you something else. Let me reset this. Not only am I not going to clown him for it. And by the way, I'm never going to clown Mike for anything. Why? I don't want to die. Not yet. But the truth is, I do have a couple of really, really wealthy friends. Really successful friends. People whose intellect is just crazy off the charts. People that I admire immensely. Super high achievers. And they have told me that they do use psychedelics for the very same thing Mike talked about. To be better entrepreneurs. To achieve greater focus and purpose and creativity. And improve performance. In other words, the toad can be a performance enhancer. I mean, think about this. My man used to talk about eating other people's children. Now he's just tripping peacefully on the frog.
1: I want to eat his children.
0: Remember, this is a guy who was ready to go. Always. Even on a moment's notice. And even during a televised interview.
2: Well, for example, Rage against Vanda uh, Holyfield worked against you. Well, f- it. It's a fight, so whatever happens, happens. Mike, why do you have to talk like that? Well, I'm talking to you the way I want to talk to you. If you have a problem? Turn off your station. You know what? I think we'll end the discussion right now. Then we could. You got it. Have a nice fight, Mike. F*** off. Class act, buddy.
0: Absolutely incredible exchange. That Understand, this is not on a podcast. It's not during a stage show. This was before any of those platforms existed. And Mike's just letting the F-bombs fly. But now he's saying, quote, everything is love. The scariest, baddest dude ever is all about love. Everything is love. You know what? I do want to be like Mike. I want to be about love. I want everything to be about love. So who's going to be the one to tighten me up with some toad? Like, never mind a clone stock, we need a toad stock. Yeah, I'm up to trying anything once, including the toad, especially the toad. Hey, remember, toad is nature, right? It's one of God's creatures. It can't be all that bad. And after hearing some of your phone calls, I'm dying for the toad.
2: Trade pros, Ferguson is committed to making business with us the easiest part of your day. Ferguson.com is designed to help run your business from the office to the job site by making your day-to-day activities easier with 24-7 account access, unmatched online inventory, and on-the-go account management. And with our Pro Plus Customer Loyalty Program, you can earn points with every online purchase, redeemable for merchandise,
0: event tickets, trips, and more. Sign up today at Ferguson.com. He is Michael Malone. Michael, so good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing great, Jim, and uh, always a pleasure to be on with you. You know, a pleasure to have you back. In fact, I want to rephrase that because we're about a month in, and it's been a few months since you and I last caught up. How are you doing right now? How is your life right about now? How are things?
2: Uh, I'm great. Yeah, I'm great. It's, uh, you know, I'm blessed. to have a great family, my wife, my girls. Um, you know, having a, a chance to spend time with them in the offseason, uh, watched them play volleyball. They just got done with their volleyball season. So uh, I, I'm doing great. I'm thrilled to be back here. You mentioned it. Seven years in Denver. I can't believe it's seven years already. But uh, we love it and uh, and hope to be here for a long time.
0: It's good to hear. Michael Malone is joining us. So you dropped a tough one in Dallas on Monday night. It was the second night of a back-to-back. That loss snapped a five-game winning streak. But what are your impressions of how the team has played so far overall this season?
2: Yeah, I think overall, you know, I'm really happy and pleased with where we're at. Um, I, I think people have to remember, obviously, Jamal Murray's going to be out for an extended period of time, still recovering and rehabbing from his ACL injury from last season. Uh, Michael Porter has missed the last five games. Will Barton has missed the last two games. In light of all that, you know, we, we find a way to win games. We have the number three defense in the NBA right now. And then the last six games, we have the number two offense. The offense is picking up steam and kind of getting back to where it needs to be. But um, I, I love our group. Uh, as you mentioned, tough loss that night in Dallas. Uh, that was our fourth game in six nights. And now we head into a home back-to-back against Philly and Chicago, which will be two more great challenges on our home court. But. I love our group, and I love how we're playing right now.
0: We are talking to Michael Malone. I think you make a very key point, right? You are without Jamal Murray for quite some time. You were without Michael Porter Jr. for about five games. Defensively, though, something you and I have talked about a lot in the past, you're really locked in right now. It's not obviously about just one guy, but at the same time, how big of a role does Aaron Gordon play in everything you do on that side of the floor?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Jim. And I think it's a great point because Aaron has been uh, you know, the key to our defense. I think Nicole Jokic is defending at a high level. You always want your center to be like that, that anchor to your defense, that traffic cop telling everybody where they need to be. And I think Nicole has been so locked in on that end. But Aaron Gordon is the guy that every night we go out there, he is tasked with the responsibility of guarding the other team's best player. So whether it's Luka Doncic, it's Trey Young, it's CJ McCollum, whoever it might be, Jimmy Butler, Aaron goes out there and I think, Uh, He has a lot to do with us being the number three defense in the NBA after 14 games. Um, He's making life help with those guys. He's big. He's strong. He's athletic. And most importantly, Jim, he embraces it. He wants it. He doesn't run away from that challenge. And uh, if he keeps this up, our defense should be able to stay at a high level and he should be recognized by being one of the top defenders in the NBA.
0: I mean, Michael, you covered that beautifully, but I want to make this point: like the guy literally can guard one through five, right? Like, and what does it mean to have somebody who not only can but is willing to do so?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's it's incredibly important for us, and I think in today's NBA, as you mentioned, Jim, versatility is such a key component to to anybody being able to play this game at a high level. And Aaron Aaron Gordon's uh, defensive versatility, his ability to go out there and guard, as you mentioned, uh, a Trey Young all the way up down to a center uh, is, is tremendously important for us. And the second point you bring up is even more important, that he doesn't he doesn't shy away from that. He's never once said, hey, Coach, uh, why don't you put me on this guy? He embraces it. He wants it. He understands that is his role with this team. And he's going out there and and doing it to the best of his abilities. And that has been at a very high level in the first 14 games we've played.
0: Michael Malone's joining us. You mentioned the Joker. You and I talk about him every time you come on. And the the most amazing thing to me, it seems logical to me, Michael, that at some point he's going to hit a ceiling, but he continues (laughs) to break through. Last year he was the MVP. I would argue that he's even better this year. How do you explain this continued growth and at both ends of the floor?
2: yeah it really is remarkable, and I think there's probably a lot of people out there, Jim, that feel the same way. Well, he had an mVP season last year, didn't miss a game well he can't he can't do anything better than that. He has reached his ceiling, uh but remarkably, you know, Nikola continues to find uh new ways to help this team, uh whether that's being more vocal, being a leader, or uh, whether that's being an improved defensive player and really locking into that end uh to holding his teammates accountable. You know, we're nine and five. We ask him to do so much for us. He's averaging 26 points a game. He's averaging 14 rebounds, six and a half assists, one block, one and a half steals. And he's doing it all at a very efficient level. And, uh, you know, that's why the one game he was suspended, it was great to see us find a way to go out there and beat Indiana without the reigning MVP because a lot of other guys a chance to play and step up. But uh, Nicola really is remarkable. He's a great person. And I think being married, having having his young daughter now gives him kind of a new uh, you know, perspective on life. And uh, he's just coming to work every day in a great headspace and uh, you know, I'm just thrilled to be able to coach such a special player and special person.
0: Michael Malone's joining us. You know, this is a great story. I got a real kick out of this, but from the end of last season, you said that you were done with your media availability after the game four loss to Phoenix. And Joker said, Hey, coach, before you leave, I'll come downstairs. We'll have a beer together. What did that mean to you? And what was that conversation like?
2: Yeah, well, I think it's just, uh, it speaks to the relationship that Nikola and I have. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time going over to Serbia uh, and spending time with Nikola and his family in their town of Sumbor. Um, and so after a tough, you know, series sweep by the Phoenix Suns, the fact that, Nicole, I know he's leaving town in a few days, but he wants to kind of sit down, commiserate, talk. It means a lot. It it just kind of validates the relationship that we have, uh, the respect that we have for each other. And, yes, I am a head coach, and he is a player, but it's also, uh, in a weird way, Jim, like a a friendship. Uh, We have a tremendous relationship. We communicate, and it's not always just about basketball. It's always about life and family as well. Uh, and that conversation was just about the season that we had, how it was remarkable to lose Jamal Murray with 18 games to go. We finished 13 and 5. We beat Portland in the first round without our starting backcourt, and we just kind of ran out of gas against a really good Phoenix Suns team. And, um, so it was more all the positives that we were able to accomplish and using this defeat to Phoenix as motivation as we go into next season. And that's what Nicola did, and, uh, and that's why I love the guy.
0: I like it. Michael Malone joining me for a few more moments. So, Michael, I finally had Wes Sunso Jr. on the program a few weeks back, and we were talking about what he learned from you in Denver and about the transition from being an assistant to being a head coach. I know you're focused on your work and your team, but how much pride is there for you in seeing him and the fast start they've gotten off to and the fact they've got the best record in the East?
2: Oh, it's tremendous, you know. And, and yes, sometimes we you know we have that bunker mentality, and it's all about you know Denver and us. But I, I, I make sure that I I, I take a step and, and look around the league, and especially to what's going on in Washington. And could not be more proud of the job that Wes is doing. Um, I knew, and I had been telling everybody that would listen, uh, you know, that he deserved the chance. He was a big part of our success here in Denver, and now he's shown that. It, uh, by the job he's doing with the Washington Wizards and the great start that they're off to. So I uh, couldn't be happier for Wes and his family. It's just, hope that we can get you twice. and uh, And he's well on his way to proving himself to be a really quality head coach in this
0: league. As you might imagine, he had great, great things to say about his time there and about you. You know, Michael, you look at it. You made a deep run in the bubble, and then you came back and you had another playoff run, and then you lost Jamal Murray along the way, and now you're back again this year. What I'm talking about is that's parts of three seasons in just over a year. Is there any way to describe what the last 14 months have been like for you and the team?
2: Yeah, I I think people lose, lose track of that, Jim. It's really amazing when you think about what has been asked of these players. And I look at Nicola, and I look at our deep run. You know, we come back from two 3-1 deficits in the bubble. Utah, first round. Clippers, second round. Lose to the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals in five games. Coming to a season after, we play 72 games. We get out of the first round again. to are the only team in the Western Conference to get out of the first round three years in a row. And then all of a sudden, we started this season. It was just over one calendar year. We're playing parts of three seasons. So the mental grind, the physical grind, the emotional grind is, is just tremendous. And I don't think the players get enough credit across the league, not just our players. But then I look within and I say everything that's been placed on Nicola's shoulders and how he's never once tried to hide, he's never tried to um, run away from that responsibility, uh, it even gives me that much more respect for him as a player because he has continued to play at such a high level it never has used the convenient excuse of "I'm tired." We've played a lot of games. It's three seasons and one one calendar year. It's just not in his DNA. It's not in his nature. He's a tough kid, and uh, and that's why everybody here in Denver loves the fact that he re- represents this city and this team so well.
0: So finally then, Michael, it's such a big ask of the players. And yes, of course, they're professional athletes and they're well-conditioned and they're taken care of and they make a lot of money. We understand this, but it's a big ask and it's a big grind and there is pressure and they're all looking to you. They're all leaning on you. When it comes down on you, who do you look to and who are you able to lean on?
2: Yeah, well, I start off with my coaching staff. I think I have a great staff. You know, we lost Wes Unsell, which was a big loss, but I have guys like David Adelman, Jordy Fernandez, Popeye Jones, guys like Ryan Bone, who've been with me, Sacramento, Denver, Charles Clask. So I have a great coaching staff. I have a tremendous team president in Tim Conley, who it's not like I work with or for Tim. We work together, and we're partners in this, and we have tremendous ownership in Josh and Stan Kroenke. Uh, and then also, as you know this, because we've talked about my father before, I have the luxury of being a, a, a coach in the NBA who has a father who's been a head coach, high school, college, NBA, um, and is my biggest fan and my biggest critic. And when he's my biggest critic, I know it's because he wants what's best for me. And he's challenging me. He's, he's forcing me to look at things maybe a little bit little bit differently. So uh, I feel really blessed and fortunate to have Great people all around me, right here in Denver, but also uh, a mother and father who I just have so much love for their son and want to see me do well
0: and uh, for that, I'm blessed he's so great he's a legend of the game, obviously. like how often do you talk to your dad about the game or about your team?
2: Oh well, I tell you what after after every game, you know if we're not talking, I'm getting a text message. Uh, I don't think the guy sleeps. I think he's a vampire now. He's staying up and watching all these games uh, that we play out here in the Western time zones. Um, But he's, you know, again, it's never lost on me because I know these text messages, Jim, will not be there always. You know, there there comes a point in time when, you know, that's just a part of life. Uh, So I appreciate them. I value them. and, and And I read them. And sometimes I might be a little resistant at first, but then I read it again and I say, no, he makes a really good point here. Uh, so we're, we're in constant communication. I, I, like I said, we have great fans here in Denver, but I know that we have two really big fans back in New York, my mother and father. and um, So we, we're in constant communication.
0: It's such a great reminder, and it's such an important perspective. He is the head coach of the Denver Nuggets. They are 9-5. They are at home against Philadelphia tomorrow night. Good friend of this program, in fact, Michael Malone, my guest. Michael, I appreciate you and the relationship very much. Thank you so much for doing the show. Once again, always good to talk to you and get caught up.
2: Yeah, same here, Jim, and, and I didn't have a chance to ask, but I hope you and your family are all doing well, and, uh, and look forward to coming back on in the near future. Good night now!